Well, this evening's message is uh, a follow-on from this morning. So if you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, and look at verses uh, 28, 29, and 30. The Gospel according to John, chapter 10, verses 28 to 30. These are the words of Jesus. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We saw this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was dealing with the Pharisees. They came to him and they charged him with not being clear. He said to him, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus turned and he said, well, I have told you. And the works that I've done have been abundant proof of who I am. But the reason that you do not believe is because you are not my sheep. And then he said that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And then he goes on to describe this group and he says about them, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Now, there there are people in the world or you've met them that are not Christians themselves and yet if you say to them if they they ask you what is your hope what what's your future what, what do you think about these things um, there, there are difficult days that we're facing there are problems they're suffering there's uncertainty with this doubt with that and then you say well that's all right because I know I'm going to heaven I'm, I'm fine I, I have a future. And they, they look at you like you've grown horns. And they, they think, well, how can you be so arrogant, so proud? Because you are saying that you're good enough for heaven. Because no one can know that they're good enough for heaven. And yet here, here in the scriptures, the Lord Jesus Christ talks to these Pharisees that had spent all their life reading and studying the scriptures that they weren't listening to the voice of God. They weren't listening to Jesus Christ. And those who did listen to him were his sheep. And that they would hear his voice and that they would follow him. And that he loved them with an everlasting love. And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, I give to them eternal life. Now, if someone were to say to you, well, why, why do you think you should be going to heaven? The answer is, well, you have to realise what it is that we're talking about. Eternal life. Jesus speaks. And I give. I give them eternal life. You see, there's, there's a, a, a time when we speak and someone else speaks but we use the same words, but there's a different meaning. I was a, I was a little boy living in Clinach down the bottom there, and my brother was going to go to the chemist, 
And the chemist had a sweet uh, section in the front. And I thought, if, if I give him 30p, he can buy me a, a topic. So I gave him 30p, and off he went to get the prescription for my mum. And he, he came back and he said, I couldn't get you the topic. It was too expensive. I said, what are you trying to get? And he said, well, I try to get you spot cream. And I said, no, topic. It's a bar of chocolate. It's got a hazelnut in every bite. And he said, oh. Now, sometimes when we talk to people, they are talking about spot cream and we're talking about a bar of chocolate. Uh, we need to be able to explain what we're talking about. Now, when we're talking about getting heaven and being certain for heaven and not losing heaven and having a seat reserved for us in heaven, that there is a place for us that we will never lose because Jesus Christ gives it to us, we have to make it really clear that the words, I give them eternal life, come first before eternal life. It's not, I've earned eternal life, or I've gained eternal life, or I hope to get eternal life. It's, I give them eternal life. You've got the word give. It's a gift. Eternal life is a gift given by the Lord Jesus Christ to his people. It's his gift to us. If you're a Christian, you have eternal life. You see, there's, there's a promise. The moment the sinner who truly believes, that moment and instant, a pardon receives. But not only that, he who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son does not have life. If you have the Son, if you are a Christian, you have eternal life. You were assured of salvation. You were assured of heaven. When we die, when we leave this world of woe, we will be taken up to be with the Lord. I go to prepare a place for you, he says. And when I've gone to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you and take you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. If our Saviour is in heaven and he is the head of the body, and we, the church, are his body. If the head is safe, the body is safe. If you think about it like swimming, you're all right as long as your head's above the water. You're not drowning if your body is submerged. You're drowning if your head is submerged. Our head is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. It is finished. He is the first fruits, the beginning of the harvest. And just as he is risen, so we shall rise also. I give them. It's a gift. It's not earned. Salvation is a gift. Now that's the first thing that we, we have to realise. The second thing is, it's I give them. It's a gift given by someone else. You know, there's, there's a little girl and she's seated at the coronation and she sat there in the, the big hall and they're having a feast and there are kings there there are princes there there are great powers there are dignitaries prime ministers are there and the king is there at the table and there's this little girl sitting at the table she, she's not the king's daughter she's not the king's niece there's no relative at all and, and some guards go up to her and say how are you here and she says i've been given an invite 
by the king. And she gives the invite. It's a gift. It's not earned. It's not earned at all. It's given to us. The Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of all, he gives to his people eternal life. You know, when you're a Christian, I know, I suppose, saying the words only, but all you're doing is you're taking God at his word. He says, believe in me. And we do. He says, believe in me. That means we don't believe in anything else. We've given up everything else. We've given up ourselves. We know we can't do anything. We know there could not be anyone else. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. We, we know that. And we believe him. It's a gift from him. But, but who is this person? They, they kept saying to him, didn't they? The Pharisees. And this is, this is the bit that, that gets me. If someone says to you, I don't think there's enough evidence in the scriptures to believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son. Then I think of that verse there. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I told you. And you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You see? Unbelief. The Lord Jesus Christ throughout his life was showing that he was the Christ. Every word, every life, every second of his life, he was living a life that was crying out, this is the Saviour. This is the Messiah. This is the one who is holy. You know, this chapter is full of allusions to the Old Testament. It's full of pictures saying that Jesus is the Christ. We, we know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here he is. And he says, I am the good shepherd. He is saying that he is the Lord from Psalm 23. Come down for his sheep. You know, in, in Ezekiel chapter 34, there's a, there's a huge section there about the shepherds of Israel. Those people that were leading the people and doing it so badly. They were bad shepherds. They were evil shepherds. They were wicked shepherds. And then we were told that God himself would come. Listen to verse 22 and 23. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of this land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations. Therefore, says the Lord to the house of Israel, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake which you have profaned amongst the nations. That's, that's what he says. And then he says these words here. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince amongst them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. My servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. You see the, the shepherd there? There's a shepherd in the Old Testament that is going to come in the world and it is God who will be the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And here is Jesus standing before them saying plainly, 
I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. I am the Messiah. I am the King of glory. I am the Prince of peace. He said, how often do you keep us in doubt? And then we, we had the psalm that was read to you. At uh, the end of that psalm, th- th- there are two lovely passages in scripture that we should go to when we're discouraged. And we think we, we can't make anything for God. Psalm 121 and Romans 8. Psalm 121 is the Romans 8 of the Old Testament. It shows how God holds his people and keeps us. And listen to the end. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in. Listen to to John 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see the illusion? You see what he's doing? He is saying, I am the one. I am the one that gives you perfect freedom. You can be saved by me. You can live and you can be happy and well, you can be secure. There's, There's a flower that Calvinists like. It's called a tulip because the letters represent something. Well, there's a, there's a flower for, for some Christians that, that doubt God's goodness, and it's a daisy. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Where are we? Here, here we have the Lord Jesus Christ saying, do not doubt. Do not be daisy Christians. I love you. I know them. And I give them eternal life eternal life is a gift from god the son he did it he did all of it you know that little girl there with the with the invitation she did nothing at all nothing at all she was invited she came she was invited because the person who gave her the invite did everything else everything was prepared everything was ready the lord jesus christ gives us everything we need Everything we need for our salvation. You know, the the illustrations of the wedding feast. We we don't get it so much because we're not Jewish and we don't live in the first century. The wedding feast in those days, the groom was everything. The groom was the great one. And everything was prepared and they'd have a tent and there'd be an entrance and then people would come in through there. The wedding guests would come in and the wedding guests would be given clothes. So every one of the wedding guests would be wearing the same thing. So there was a unity amongst the guests. They would be all be given the same type of garment, the same quality, the same style. And then we're told in that parable that Jesus told that one person came in not through the door, but through some other way. And the guards came up to him and said, where is your wedding garment? That little girl that was invited to the party to to the place there she was given everything she needed no one would come up to her and say where is your wedding garment no one says to us christian where is your wedding garment because we have jesus christ we have put on jesus christ he is our righteousness he is our sanctification he is our justification he is everything we need he took our sins away from us and he bore them on that tree and he gave us he gave us the garment of salvation. So who can stand and make a charge against God's elect? It is God, it is Christ who justifies us. 
Again, in, in the Old Testament, we have the book of Zechariah and, and we have the, the high priest who is there and he's in dirty garments and a dirty turban and there's the devil standing at the side ready to say, he can't stand before you, God. He's filthy with sin and wickedness. Before Satan opened his mouth, he said, put on him clean garments and a clean turban upon his head. My friend, salvation, salvation is all of God. The only thing we contribute is our sins. That's not really a contribution, is it? The Lord God gives us. I give them. We have a security. We have a hope that is in heaven laid up for us. An inheritance given to us by him. We don't get inheritances because we've done something. We're born and then we get the inheritance because of who we're born into what family. We have been born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ into an inheritance undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I give. But then there's something else that we need to realize about this salvation. It's not for everyone. It's not a universal salvation because here Jesus is carrying on because he's already said who his people are. My sheep, they hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. To these people, to my sheep, I give my sheep eternal life. This salvation is to all his sheep. Not one or two. Not once you're a certain age. No. Every sheep, everyone, however big, however small, whenever you lived, you have the same salvation. Your sins are removed. Your righteousness is assured. You have peace with God and you can live for him. He is your prophet, priest, and king. I give them eternal life. And we must realize that this is a present possession. It's not they're going to get eternal life when they die. So often people talk about that, but no. You know, they, they said of Richard Sibbs, heaven was in him before he was in heaven. They said he was so holy and, and so, so close to God. That's true of all of us. I give to them eternal life. Heaven is in us because God the Holy Spirit indwells us. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are united to our head who is in heaven. It's a present possession. We have eternal life. The, the promises. What must I do to, to inherit eternal life? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He who has Christ has life. He who has the Son shall not see death. This is a present possession. We have it now. You know, there are Christians who are Christians in their body, but not Christian on their face. Their salvation hasn't reached their mouth. They never smile. They're the most discouraged people all the time. Now, I understand that some of us are more enthusiastic than others, but... With this year, why should the children of the king go mourning all the day? We have an eternal life. We have everything. You, you imagine a, a person 
a multi, 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 multi millionaire who loses five pence. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to mope and cry and, and be so sad? Oh, I've lost five pence. The end of the world. No, it's only five pence. I'm a multi, 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 multi millionaire. Five pences. Nothing to me. My friend, what was it that he said, the apostle? I, I've worked it out, haven't I? I I've calculated it. And I consider all the sufferings, all the difficulties, all the tribulations of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. What have we got? We have got eternal life now. He's given to us now. We have eternal life. It's a present possession. Not only that, but it's precious. It's, it's so precious. Why is it precious? Because it's been given to us by him. It's, it's not something that we've, we've won. It's not something that a stranger has come up to us and just dropped on our laps. We've been given to it. We've been given this salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. He who is God beyond all telling. He who is light. He who is life. He who made all things and sustains all things. He has looked at us and loved us and given us this salvation. He has given himself. If we have Christ, we have every single thing we need. There's a fire in the house, and it's burning, and all the floors are on fire, and there's a man outside, and he's smiling, and you're saying, why are you smiling? It's your house. All your possessions are burning up. Your, your kitchen, your your goods, everything. And he says, no, no, look. There's my wife. There's my children. They're safe. I don't mind. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us from a burning building. And he loves us. And we should have the same attitude in this world. It's so precious because it comes from him. And it is now. And it removes all argument. Remember, it is a gift. If it is a gift, it is not by works. Nothing to boast about. Nothing to be proud of. But everything to be thankful for. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. In heaven, they will be singing that. His mercy still endures. When I've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows me and he keeps me. And he is good and his mercy endures forever. It removes all argument. When the devil comes, when your friends who've seen you that aren't Christians and they say, oh, look at you. How can you say you can go to heaven? I can't. I can't go to heaven. I have to be given heaven as a gift by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I'm not a Christian because I do good things. I'm a Christian because God has saved me and changed me. And I know I've got mistakes. You can see them. He sees more. But despite these things, he loves me and he cares for me. And he's given me a gift. 
and he'll bear with me and he'll work with me and he'll keep me until the day of salvation. For I know whom I believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which he's committed unto me until that day. He's given me eternal life. I don't deserve it, I know. But he is a merciful God and he can save you as well. Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. No, will be saved. But, but then it's eternal life. Now, eternal life has two cues, doesn't it? It has quantity and it has quality. It has quantity. Uh, in the original, it means age on or age by age by age. This is age by age by age life. It's life going on and on and on and on forever and ever, everlasting. It's not a Del Boy Trotter everlasting. You know, you, you buy those batteries and they're ever ready. And then you put them in your, your toy and you switch the toy on and it doesn't work. Because they say they're ever ready, but they're not ever ready. It's a lie. They were all ever ready until they run out. But this here is everlasting life. It never runs out. It is everlasting in its duration. This life is forever. It's, it's not a life that can stop. Now, this is where, where we need to be very clear. When it says something in scripture that is plain, then we take it at face value. Now, if it says here, I give them everlasting life, does that mean that we can stop being Christians? Because if Jesus gives us something that is everlasting, how can it stop being everlasting for us? He says, I give them everlasting life. So, if he gives us everlasting life, then we must be saved. We must persevere to the end. Yes, I to the end will endure, as sure as the earnest is given. More happy, but not more secure, the glorified spirits in heaven. Why? Because his blood and righteousness have done everything for me. They've done it all. We have everlasting life. He has given it to us. And so I can't lose it. Because he doesn't say I give them everlasting life as long as they believe. I give them everlasting life as long as they do this or they do that. He says I give them everlasting life and they shall never perish. It's everlasting in its quantity. But then there's the quality as well. We, we know from verse 10 when Jesus says, the thief does not come in except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. Who's this? The sheep. I have come that the sheep may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. They may have it in all its fullness. Do you know that the life you have, the life you've been given, that is everlasting, that is your possession now, that will never run out. It is a, a quality of life. It is an access to God. It's an ability to understand the mind and the will of God and to grow in knowledge and grace and to, to mirror and to walk as little Christians in this world. Why? Because he's given you everlasting life. He has given you a quality of life. The world now means not much to you. 
because you have everything you need. Your treasure is in heaven. Remember when Jesus talks to his people, he says, lay not up treasure on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal, but lay your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your heart is, no, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our everlasting life is forever. And the quality is with the Lord Jesus Christ. So more about Jesus would we know. More about Jesus we would seek. You know, there's, there's that lovely book by J.C. Ryle called Holiness. And there's a, a little quote in it. He talked about this Welsh lady in the, the 1860s who, who'd walk 15 miles to this Anglican church every Sunday. She spoke no English whatsoever and the Anglican service was completely in English. And, and she was asked, why do you go there? Why do you go there? And she said, oh, I don't understand her word, he says, but he says my Saviour's name so beautifully. Friends, the quality of the life that we have is beyond worth because it is Jesus Christ. He is our life. Now, there are, there are problems. There are, there are problems. The problems are that the devil and us don't want to take the word as it is written here. We, we, we want to do something with it and we want to stop it. And you see, the, there are two problems. The first problem is yourself. Ah, yes, I give them eternal life. But, but you, might, you might stop believing. You might turn your back. I, I know people, and that's what they say, I know people who are, oh, so wonderful for the Lord. And they, they walked with the Lord, and they were, they were great. They came to prayer meeting. They, they read their Bible, and we went up together. And now where they've gone, they've gone far away. They've stopped being Christians. That's what they say. And then I read this verse. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I think, what is this? Can this happen? And then there are three, three things that we need to be aware of. First of all, we have the purpose of God. We have the purpose of God. Why did God the Father send God the Son into the world? He shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The purpose of God. He shall save his people from their sins. And then we're told it is written in the book that when he goes into heaven, he will say to the Father, here I am and the children you have given me. And in John 17, he says, those that you gave me were in the world and I have given them your word and I have kept them and lost none. We, we have the words there. And then you have Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And what does that say? Christians are weak. Christians fall. There are difficulties. There are mountains in our lives. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The purpose of God is with God himself. 
It's not like us who say, oh, we hope you do well, and someone comes with a difficulty or a problem. We say, I'm sure it'll work out all right in the end, and we've got no clue, no help, no ability to change their situation. But here, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel, all the nation, all the people, neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun, the sun with its bleach, the sun with its rays, the sun with its heat that can shrivel, the sun shall not strike you by day. Nor when you're asleep and you've got those dreams and you have those nightmares, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve you. What? He shall preserve your going out and your coming in. Look, that's Jesus. I am the door. If anyone comes in me, he shall go in and go out and find pasture. The purpose of God is to save you. He who has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. That is our hope. Our hope is that God is a God of his word. What is your help? My help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and earth. The purpose of God. So when somebody says to you, well, I don't know about that person. I don't know where they are. I know that there are Christians who backslide and fall away. And yet, the Lord keeps them and holds them and brings them back. We know that. The Lord does that. It might be that with your friend. Or it may be that they were never a Christian in the first place. We should never put our experiences in front of what Scripture says plainly. In lots of places. So, so there's, first of all, the purpose of God. Secondly, there's the person of a Christian. Not only do, do people that say that have a very low view of the purposes and power of God, but they have a very low view on what it is to be a Christian. They, they seem to think that once you reach a certain age and you go into a Christian church, that you can be baptised and become a Christian. Or you, you can become members because that's the natural thing. That's, that's not the natural thing. Salvation is a, a divine work. It's not by flesh, nor by the will of man, nor by blood or, or, or locality. It's none of these things. It's by the Spirit. It is God who saves. God who converts. God who changes the heart. I will take away their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And then they will call on me and be saved. You must be born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus. What do you mean? What do you mean born again? Uh, have I got to get into my mother's womb a second time to get born again? Don't be so ridiculous. Are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know these things? The wind, it moves to the left and to the right and we can't see it. We don't know where it's going, but we can see where it's being. We can see its effects. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. There is such a low view of conversion today. There is. The works of God are great and wonderful. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. You're a new person. You're a new person in Christ. You have a new nature. 
You have the Holy Spirit inside you. You have Christ's righteousness covering you. You have access to God the Father. You are a, a completely different person. You know, when, when I was converted, I was converted in university, and I was converted two weeks before I came home at Easter, and I wondered what my parents would make of me. Would they recognize me? Because I felt so different. But we don't go by feelings. We go by what it says here. There's a big change. There's a big change in the person. Here we're told, well, do they fall away? Will they decide to, to leave? No. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. We must have the right view of conversion. Are people saved? Are they really saved? Ask them. What is their hope in life and death? What is their hope if they're going to die today and stand before Jesus in heaven? What are they going to say to him? Are they going to say, well, I, I haven't killed like some people. I went to church and I, I read my Bible. I was a good boy. I, was a, a, I, I, I always gave gifts when I was supposed to. I, I know I, I wasn't perfect, but, but who is perfect? I, going to say that before God my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name what's the answer Lord I don't deserve heaven but you've said the vilest sinner that truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon you've said come to me all you that lay I've come to you and I'm weak, and I'm sinful, but you save the weak. You love sinners. I don't deserve a place in heaven. But it says in your word, and I give them eternal life. We must have the right view of conversion. And then thirdly, we've got here the promises of God. The promises of God. You know, God isn't a workman who says, I'll be there on Thursday. Eight o'clock sharp. You don't see him for three months. He's not a workman. He is God. His promises are yea and amen. Yes, in Jesus. No, in Jesus. He is certain in Jesus. And he says here, I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Never perish. That's the promises that we have here. He who has the Son has life. A promise. The promises of God. You know, we, we sing it here. You sing it. Living on the promises of God. You know, we must hold on to these things. And when somebody comes up to us, say, hang on. God's got a word there. And you should really listen to it. Because if you're one of God's sheep, you should hear his voice. And you should follow him. Even in this. The promises. The purpose person of a Christian but but then you see there's the other side they say okay people fair enough but they might try and 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 jump out are they going to jump out no you're changed you're completely different you're a new creation in Christ you shall never perish but but what about the devil the devil's big the devil's powerful he's got all these things that he can do there are angels there are all sorts of things well what can we say to these things all day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But what does it say? Neither shall anyone snatch them 
out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one shall be able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. How can we lose? How can we lose this? Because one, it's eternal life. It's given to us. It's ours, and we've got it. But not only that, but we are kept. We are kept in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth, our maker, our saviour, his blood and his righteousness. He keeps us in his hand. And then the Father, who is greater than all. Okay, if you don't believe that Jesus is or could do these things, because, well, he's, he's God and man in one person. So, so, so apart from all the problems with you saying that, but the Father puts his hand over Jesus' hand. And says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one shall snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Our decision, our resolve is that you should be kept and you should be saved. And we will both hold you in the hand. And there are no gaps in God's hand. My hand, there are little gaps. But I remember my dad, he used to say, open my fingers. And he'd close his fist. And it's really hard to, to pull Open the fists of a human being. This is God. The devil cannot snatch us out of God's hand. The Father and the Son are together. But then doesn't that mean that we are going to be lazy? We're going to be sitting down and say, well, there we are. I can do what I want. I can live however I want. Verse Verse 27 came before these verses, didn't it? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's not what's going to happen to the Christian. A Christian who knows that they cannot fall, who knows that they are safe in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ, in his hands, how are they going to live? The people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. So Daniel said. And there's that great man and that the Christian, the Christian who, who served God so well, he said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. You've got a child and you've given them a bike. No stabilizers, there's a bike. And you say to the child, there we are, here's your bike. Now, before you get on your bike, I need to tell you a couple of things. You could fall off your bike and if you're going too fast, you could fly off the handlebars and crack your head on the floor and all the blood will come out and you're going to die. Or if you don't go too carefully round a corner, you could slide off and you could take all the skin off your arm. Or uh, if you don't stop, you might go into a car and then we'll have to take you to hospital. Off you go. Uh, if you say to the child, here's your bike. Now, on you go. I know you're a little bit nervous, but I tell you what, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to hold the bike. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to be with you whilst you're riding the bike. I'm going to stay with you all the time you're riding the bike so you won't fall off, so you won't hurt yourself. That child will be on the bike all the time. Why? Because they know they're secure. Christian, Christian, why is it we don't attempt things for God? Is it because we think that we're going to fall and we're going to collapse. He has said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, hasn't he? And he has said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord Jesus Christ keeps his people. 
He keeps us. Why? So that we may live for him and glorify him and love him and know him more and tell people of what a great and marvellous saviour he is. The Lord Jesus Christ holds his people and keeps us. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus has said it. End of matter.